listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, please turn your Bibles tonight to the 38th Psalm, the Psalm 38. We continue in our studies in these experiential Psalms, the, the prayers, the personal prayers that flow out of the experience of living in a world that is broken by the fall. Our prayer for tonight is found in the verse number 21. Forsake me not, O Lord, O my God, be not far from me. But let's read the entire Psalm. As we come into the Lord's presence again tonight, the Psalm 38, the Psalm of David, to bring to remembrance. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, and as in heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee. And my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, and my strength faileth me. As the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things, and imagine deceits all the day long. But I, as a deaf man, heard not, and I was a dumb man that opened not my, his mouth. Thus I was the man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. But mine enemies are lively and they are strong, and they hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries, because I follow the thing that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. And we do pray that God will encourage our hearts as we consider his word afresh tonight. So tonight I want to take a new prayer that occurs a few times across the book of Psalms. This prayer is at the very heart of our experience as we walk in this world, because our experiences on this earth will often lead to this impassioned prayer, forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. The expression is found also in the Psalm 71. Cast me not off in the time of old age, 
Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Verse 18 of the same psalm. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I've showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. It's also there in the Psalm 119 and the verse number 8. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. So at different times, for different causes, we find the psalmist crying unto God that he would not forsake him as he experiences life in this world. Now I'm going to base our studies largely on the Psalm 38, but we won't restrict ourselves to that. We'll look at other Psalms also as we seek to see the breadth of this petition. Do not forsake me. Well, this prayer, to my mind, expresses two things at least. It expresses an honest distress and it expresses a heartfelt desire. So first of all, this honest distress, the expression of an honest distress. And the distress is the fear of being forsaken of God. To pray this is an indication of concern. O oh Lord, forsake me not. Now, if you're thinking, you might quickly say, well, surely the psalmist shouldn't pray this. Just stop from and think about this particular prayer. Forsake me not. Surely God cannot and will not forsake his people. Why would you pray for something that is already guaranteed? Well, of course, we understand that this is part of prayer life. It is to pray the promises of God. But beyond that, this prayer expresses the trouble of soul that can occur in the genuine child of God. There can come these times of turmoil and trouble whereby there is this experience O Lord, forsake me not. It certainly expresses a sense of dependence, our reliance upon the Lord. Lord, forsake me not. And so as we look at this distress, let's think from under two about the occasions, the occasions of this distress. Why might we feel this way? What might happen in our lives that would bring us to the point that we'd pray, forsake me not, O Lord, Okay, we could spend a lot of time, we could look at different avenues of thought here. I want to highlight just three that arise in these Psalms. The first one is the issue of chastisement. In Psalm 38, in the verse number one, he has this concept of chastisement at the very core of this Psalm. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. We know it is a psalm that deals with chastisement because we have, for example, in verse number 18, for I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. And the experience of chastisement under God's hand is provoking a repentant spirit and a desire to go forward with God. You have verse number four, my iniquities are gone over my head. It refers to the fact that there's sin in his life and the sin is cause great trouble, verse number three, because of my sin. Chastisement. His opening prayer is the Lord would not rebuke him in wrath, but the implication is that he'd chasten him in love. Now, though anger comes, it would not be that wrath, not hot displeasure. It's a prayer that he would treat it as a child and not as an enemy of God's. But in this chastisement, there are several features and several things that occur in the psalmist's life. There is physical illness. 
There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Verse 5, my wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. Verse number 7, for my loins are filled with a loathsome disease. Of course, we understand that not all ill health is caused uh, as a result of chastisement from God. We know that. But sometimes ill health does come under the chastening hand of God. You think of 1 Corinthians 11, in all the abuses of the Lord's Supper, there were many who were weak and sickly among you because of how they were conducting themselves around the table of the Lord. So sickness does not equal sin, but sickness is a mark of suffering under the curse. The pain that we suffer in illness is certainly a mark of living under the curse of a broken world. And so in chastisement here, he's suffering from physical illness. He also has a troubled conscience. Verse number four, for mine iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. The iniquities here, the guilt of sin overwhelming him. Like the waves of the ocean go over someone's head. So that's a sense he's, he's floundering with a guilty conscience. This heavy burden makes us think, of course, of Bunyan's burden and the distress caused by a troubled conscience. God is troubling this man's conscience. There's also the mark of spiritual depression. Verse number eight, I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Not only is there physical turmoil, there's a disquietness, there's an anxiety, a restlessness in his heart. Verse number 10, my heart panteth, my strength faileth me. This is spiritual depression. This is tremendous trouble that's arising as he has encountered this trouble of his soul. Here you get a glimpse of the body-soul union. Does sickness of the body cause soul affliction? Or is the soul affliction causing trouble in the body? Where's the beginning and where's the end of this? What's the start and what's the finish? Hard to be certain, but they come together. When there is physical affliction, there's often an accompanying spiritual depression. And when there is spiritual depression and God's afar off, then there's often physical signs also. He's also got social isolation, verse number 11. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore. There's that social isolation. His very family members, his kinsmen stand afar off. That's part of what God does in chastising his sin. These very friends and family are afar off. All these things are sweeping across the path of the psalmist. Add to that oppression by his enemies. And we just sang the hymn, Friends may fail me, foes assail me. Verse number 12, his enemies are laying snares for him. Verse 19, they are lively and they are strong. Here we find all of these marks. I just listed five marks of this chastisement this man's experiencing under the hand of God. Physical illness, a troubled conscience, spiritual depression, social isolation, oppression by his enemies. All of these things can cause an unguarded soul to fear God has forsaken him. Any of those experiences. You then have also not only chastisement, you have the experience of persecution. And for that, I want you to turn to Psalm 71, please. 
the Psalm 71, verse 9, he says this, Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth, for mine enemies speak against me. And they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. So again, you see the concern, the burden that he's, that he's forsaken of God. But in the context here, it's not chastisement. Verse number one, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness. He's, he's pleading God's righteousness as he's walking with God. Verse five, For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Here's a man who's walking with God. But he's suffering persecution for righteousness' sake. Trouble has come upon his soul as the ungodly are seeking to afflict him. The third thing then, chastisement, persecution, and then also advancing years. And here I turn your attention to some of the words of this Psalm 71. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Advancing years. Feeling strength. Of course, we understand this is connected with persecution. He is suffering in later life. He's advancing in years, and yes, he's suffering persecution at this point in his life. But what is, this, what is the significance? What's the significance of him praying, verse 9, cast me not off in the time of old age? Or verse number 18, And I also, when I am old and grey-headed, O God, forsake me not. So he's bringing together these two things, advancing years and this prayer that God would not forsake him. Well, I think we should remember what the Lord says to the disciples in the garden. Remember the Lord is in the agonies of Gethsemane, and he tells the disciples, watch and pray. Yes, you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's a connection, the Lord sees it, between the weakness of human flesh and the potential for spiritual backsliding and feelings. And so if that is true for these young disciples, then the weakness of the flesh increases with advancing years. And in light of that, therefore, there is greater spiritual dangers in advancing years, in the light of greater physical weakness. We sometimes think it's hard to be a child of God when you're young. All the temptations, all the troubles, how hard it is to be a child of God when you're young. Oh, there are many who will testify the troubles they find in their advanced years, greatly troubled in their souls. As their physical strength failed, so they struggled to keep the faith and to press on the things of God. We need to pray for our seniors, that they don't lose heart in advancing years. Pray for them that they keep on trusting the Lord. We, we all know the words of Isaiah chapter 40. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So why specify the young people? Because everybody knows that older people faint and are weary. But even the young can experience that. We understand that it's a common experience of, of all of advancing years. There's increasing physical weariness and tiredness. 
And so the promise comes that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So advancing years is a time when we're prone to weakness. And so I understand that these potential occasions are unique to the various Psalms and their experiences. But you take any of these things, physical illness, troubled conscience, spiritual depression, social isolation, oppression by enemies, persecution, advancing years. You take any of those things, and surely all of those have the potential to cause our faith to be shaken and to wonder, has God forsaken me? All of those experiences are motivations for us to get before God and say, forsake me not. The occasions of this distress. The second thing under this matter of an honest distress is the overcoming of this distress. Back in the Psalm 38, how does the psalmist overcome the distress? Well, we find it in verse number 15. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thy wilt hear, O Lord my God. Hope is a word for faith in the Old Testament. It is not hope that something will change. It is a certain confidence of God's blessing in the days to come. It's a sign, a mark of faith. Spurgeon says this, Hope in God's intervention and belief in the power of prayer are two most blessed stays to the soul in time of adversity. And so we find the psalmist in the midst of this distress, in the midst of this chastisement, he gets to the point, he pleads the promises of God. Uh, verse number 21, forsake me not, O Lord. He's pleading God's promises. You think of the Psalm 94 in the verse number 14. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. His people, his inheritance. God will not cast them off and cannot forsake them. And so in the midst of our distresses, we plead the promises of God. And these, these pleadings, these prayers are prayers that look towards Calvary. We cannot go away from the cross of Christ. The words of his people, his inheritance, they point to covenant. They point to God's securing of his people through the shedding of the blood of his son, the blood of everlasting covenant. These promises are sealed by Christ's blood. And so the assurance of the end of Romans chapter 8, God will not forsake us. Nothing shall separate us from God's love. The assurance at the end of Romans chapter 8 is based upon the foundation of God sparing not his own son, of God delivering up his son, of God sending Christ to die, to rise again, to be at the right hand of God, to make intercession for us. In life's distresses, in those times that we may think God has forsaken us, we must quickly run to Calvary. We must quickly get to the doctrine of the atonement, get to the point where we see Christ dying, dying for our preservation, dying so that we cannot be forsaken. As you lie upon your bed, perhaps in the depth of sickness, or perhaps you go to bed at night and your conscience is troubled with all of your sins. And the devil does all he can to keep you from Calvary. You've got to break through. You've got to resist the devil and he'll flee from you and you've got to get to Calvary. And you've got to plead the promises of God. He will not cast off or forsake his people. That's how we overcome this distress. It is an honest distress. It is a real distress. 
And then secondly, an expression of a heartfelt desire. Verse number 9 of the Psalm 38 says this, Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. Is this not a man of God in prayer? There's no better place to put your desires than before God. Here we have the groanings that I think echo the groanings of Romans. These words that we cannot utter and we groan before God. We sigh, we lament in our souls that we cannot often put words to our heart or to our, to our thoughts. The desire is for the Lord's presence. Forsake me not. That's the prayer that comes at the end of the psalm. That's the desire, verse number 9. That desire finds formation in verse number 21. Forsake me not, O Lord, O my God, be not far from me. Why would the psalmist pray that? Well, in closing, let me just show you five, five reasons that link together as to why the psalmist would pray this prayer. Why would he have this, 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 this desire? Well, he desires this, that he would know the Lord's help. That's the first thing. Verse number 21, make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. That help is particularly for the strength of God. His feet are slipping, verse number 16. He's ready to halt. He's about to feel. The enemies are strong. He is weak. He's crying out to God for strength. We see that in the Psalm 71. And the verse number 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord. He's crying out for God in that psalm, forsake me not. He wants the Lord's strength. Verse 9, forsake me not when my strength faileth. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. That's why he wants God's presence. It is particularly for the strength that God brings. He wants to know the Lord's help in order that the Lord will fulfill his purposes in his life. I think of the Psalm 138. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. There's another prayer. Forsake me not, in order that the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. God has a purpose in our lives. We will not die until God's purpose is complete. God works in us. He works his purposes in us, and he will perfect all that concerns us. And so we want his presence for his help in order that his purposes are fulfilled. That's the foundation for your prayers, Lord. You have work to do in my soul, forsake me not. So he wants to know the Lord's help so that the Lord will fulfill his purposes, so that he will not fall away in unbelief. Back to the Psalm 71. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Back in verse number 5, he said, Thou art my trust from my youth. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Verse 18. Now also, when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. He's taught him from his youth. And now he comes to the end of his life and he wants to know that he will trust God in advancing years. And that's his burden. In Psalm 94, we saw the promise. We saw the insurance, the promise of verse 14. The Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. 
And in verse number 17, he says this, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, My foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. Psalm 94, verse 18. What's that mean? Well, he's, he's understanding that if it wasn't for God, his foot would have slipped and he'd have slid away from trusting the Lord. Lord, help me in order that I will not fall away in unbelief, but rather will persevere in obedience. Psalm 119 and the verse number 8, I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. The implication being, I will only keep your statutes when you do not forsake me. These are the prayers. In order that he will glorify the Lord to others. Back in Psalm 71 and the verse 18. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Here's a desire. Don't forsake me so that I can show your glory to others in the land of the living. If you forsake me, I can't do that. If you forsake me, I can't glorify you in my life. I need your help, your strength, your presence to walk by faith and not by sight so that I will glorify you in the midst of my enemies. So all these things, they all come together. I need to know your help in order that you fulfill your purposes so that I will not fall away in unbelief, but rather persevere in obedience and glorify the Lord in the presence of others. And so life presents us with many challenges and new challenges to our faith. Our sin can lead to chastisement. Our bodies decay with age and illness. Friends may fail us, foes assail us. We need the Lord. We need the Lord and we have the assurance that we have the Lord. Because again, the tomb is empty. Christ is alive. The atonement was accepted. A man's in the glory that he would have the strength and give us the strength that we need to live in this world. This world's a hard place. There are genuine times that will come in our experience before God and say, Lord, forsake me not. But we have the assurance, Psalm 38 and the verse number 15. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear O Lord, my God. Amen. May these meditations be a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And may they help us to walk with God in these days. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.